The name of the game in digital marketing is about driving awareness about your brand and product and then getting somebody to take action once they've discovered you. If somebody finds you, but your copy isn't compelling, if you're not convincing them of the value you can bring, you've just spent all this time getting them to find you just to lose them. So today we're going to be talking about seven copywriting hacks that every building materials manufacturer needs to know about. There's some really good insights that we've learned by trial and error and failure that we're excited to share with you. We also bring on our content expert who shares some great insights from actual campaigns that have worked well and how copy has made the difference for them. All right, with that, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. All right, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams, alongside my co-host, and today we're going to be talking about something near and dear to our hearts. We're going to be talking about copywriting. It's my fave. It's Beth's favorite thing. We're going to be talking about the semicolon, the Oxford comma, and all of those fabulous things I know nothing about. So many strong opinions. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, We actually have an awesome guest on our show today. We have, and some of you know her, we've got Anastasia Vol. She is Venvio's content manager. She oversees all of our content and works very closely with Beth, which is why we decided to have her on the podcast today. So welcome to the show, Anastasia. Thanks. Today we're talking about seven copywriting hacks for manufacturers that you can use and implement like today to start writing better copy that's going to express your message better, help your landing pages and website convert better, and just overall get across what you're trying to convey about your products. This is really important because just in preparing for this podcast, Zach brought up a really great point. Maybe Zach, you can explain it better than I can, but the two things that are going to impact how people perceive your product and the kind of experience they have with your online presence is imagery and copywriting. And manufacturers struggle with writing very well because you are so close to your product. It's so difficult to get a bird's eye view and understand what are the questions that people have? How does this really apply to this individual architect's individual project? Not just how do I get them to buy my product? So that's what we're going to be talking about today is how do you pull back and discuss the results and the value and the problem solving and not just hey, by the way, you should buy this. The thing I like about this, Beth, is, you know, we actually, when we interviewed Aaron from last week's episode, episode 43, he said, you know, point blank, he's like, manufacturers are the expert yeah. to the channel. Yeah, he did. And like they are. And so if your copy is not explaining the true value proposition to your audience, like you're missing out. And so that's why we're really excited to go into this is because not only is your audience looking for information from you, but it really comes down to the copy of how you deliver the information For today's episode, we're going to break down copy in headline form, subheadline, actual content that gets written in blog posts, as well as product pages and and even ads for that matter. We're going to be talking about copy across the board. So we want to make today's episode really, really palatable and digestible. But at the same time, we're going to give you really quick seven copywriting hacks that are going to help you be more effective in your copywriting for your marketing when it comes to targeting the channel. So Anastasia, why don't you tell us about What's the number one thing on our list? So the number one thing that manufacturers need to do is tell a story. People are wired to understand stories. It's how we've always passed down knowledge. It's how we've always communicated. And when you tell your story to the audience, you need to make sure that you're positioning that 
person you're speaking to as the hero. If you make yourself the hero, they're not going to care. They want to know how you are going to help them win their story, win their problem. And this goes for contractors. It goes for builders. It goes for homeowners too. Like if you think about a story, and I know we're, we're actually kind of talking around Donald Miller's story brand methodology, which we are huge proponents of. Yep. It comes down to how are you going to communicate the value proposition of your product in a way that actually matters to your audience. Frankly, like the things around your product, like, Hey, it withstands, or is this durable or does this X, Y, and Z thing? Like those things matter, but that's not the cornerstone of your story. The cornerstone of your story needs to be, what is the pain point that your audience deals with on a daily basis? What are the things that keep them up at night? And then how does your product help them solve that problem? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like if you go to a party and you're near that person who all they want to talk about is me, 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 what I did. No one wants to talk to that person. They're going to walk away. You need to have a conversation with your audience in order to engage them. So that's why nobody talks to me at, at parties is what you're saying, Anastasia. <laughs> one of the reasons. <laughs> <laughs> one, of the, one of the reasons, right? No, it's true. I think, you know, if you're only talking about yourself, like no one's going to listen, you know? So thinking about the, the narrative and the story that you want your audience to hear. It's about making them look good and making them successful. I think about like, even in our AB testing, sometimes people say like, oh, we're well, not AB testing the right thing and the right type of ad or the right type of copy within our email. Most of the time it comes down to the message. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is the number one issue, right? Yeah. There's two really simple ways to look and see if you're making yourself the hero or your audience, the hero. If you look at the homepage of your website, and if you look at your blog or news section, on the homepage, or is it easily understandable what you make and why it's better than your competitor, what problem it clearly solves? And then news or blog sections of websites are the guiltiest of parties. If your news section or blog section is just chock full of like, we won this award, we got a new CEO, we attended this trade show, we launched a product, that is putting you at the center of the universe instead of putting your audience at the center of the universe and offering them how-tos, resolutions, top tens, helping them compare product categories or compare product materials within your product category space. You need to be offering value in those places, not taking every opportunity to talk about yourself. Boom. Boom, done. So Beth, what is the second copywriting hack we want to go over today? So second thing we're talking about is a pretty cool hack, which is really beginning and ending with your most important points. This makes sense even if you just think about how people's attention spans run. I'm going to listen really well in the beginning. Something's going to grab my attention. My brain's going to drift someplace else somewhere in the middle. I think I'm reading, even if it's on your site. I'm probably not. And then I get to the end. I recognize that it's the end and I kind of snap back. I don't know if that's exactly what psychologists and market researchers would say they've found in that exact sequence, but I think we all would recognize our own patterns in that. So making sure that you're hitting the most important points in the beginning and in the end, you're not trying to bury them somewhere and make your readers or your website visitors really dig for them or look for them. You want to catch them when they're paying attention with the heavy hitters, and then they'll be paying attention better throughout the rest of your content as well. Anastasia, can you give me an example of an article or a content you've written like this was done really, really well and you saw success from it? This is really useful to use in emails, actually. If you think about like the last email that you read, you probably remember the first opening line and you remember how they closed. You don't really remember some of the fluffier senses they put in the middle. 
So if you have a strong opener and a strong closer, that's what people are going to remember. And that's what's going to drive them to click the links in your emails. Let's just jump to number three. So number three is actually using specific numbers and data. Like, do you guys notice that? I just used a specific number and data. Look at that. We're actually using specific numbers. You're so meta. <laughs> We're using specific numbers and data in this actual episode. We've got seven copywriting hacks, right? So using specific numbers and data, it adds a ton of authority to what you're saying. And especially if you use it in headlines, it can help with traffic. If you notice that like you go to Google and you search for anything in particular, whether it's specifically like inspiration, like a ton of manufacturers deal with providing inspirational content or inspirational imagery, you'll notice that oftentimes the things that rank well are things that have numbers in them, like 17 design ideas for your next kitchen or 25 different applications of this product. The reason why it works is because people click it and people can get their head around numbers pretty easily. People love stats. Like they just love it. You like to read it. It makes sense. It resonates with you. It makes you feel like whoever's given that to you isn't just making up the advice that they're giving you, but that there's something that it's actually based on. It's based on some type of research. People love to repeat stats. I mean, we talk a lot about customer data and market research and just how much we love it. But part of it is because it makes you feel like what you're doing is sending you in the right direction. There's a reason I'm making the decision that I'm making. It's based on this evidence. So our fourth tip is to use personalization whenever possible. People love things that talk directly to them because, again, it makes them the hero of the story. So in subject lines, try and include a city if you have that information. Or when they open an email, have two and their names. It's the kind of personal touch that makes them feel like you care about them specifically and that you're not just talking to thousands of people like they're all the same person. Anastasia, how do you think personalization factors into writing to your audience? Like, how do you make something that's going to go on the website feel personalized outside of like technology and tools? That's not what I'm talking about. I think knowing very specific details about your audience. So when you are doing research of your audience, you should make brand personas of them. So you should know, almost have an ideal person in mind that you're writing to. So you should know their gender and their age and where they work and are they married? Do they have kids? What do they care about? Even make a fake name for them and pick like a stock photo. Like you should have a very specific person in mind when you're writing and that's going to make your content feel more authentic. Like you're writing to a person, not to the void. It's a great idea. I even think about like, this is pretty, I shouldn't say it's pretty easy, but it's easier to do an email than let's say on your website but there's tools we've used like VWO and we'll link to this in the show notes, but like VWO or Optimizely mm-hmm. that you can use really specific targeted data about a person. And a lot of like CRMs like HubSpot will allow you to do this too. Like you can literally create a site that's very tailored to that individual that's visiting. So Beth, this makes me think about an article, excuse me, no, it was actually like an email that got sent out that you actually posted in our Slack channel at our office that said like, Hey, are you the best service provider in Blacksburg? And like, if you're a manufacturer, like, oh, that's really targeted. Like, oh, it's in Blacksburg because that's where we are. We're located. When we actually dissected the email, it's like, oh, this is actually a horrible email because you open it up. You're like, oh, the subject line is great because it's personalized. But then the images of, of like the Golden Gate Bridge, and you're like, that's yeah, not really in Blacksburg. <laughs> yeah. So like, that's a really small example. But like, the more you can personalize your content, like you're going to see open rates go up. You're going to see click rates go up. So like, if you're talking to an architect, you want to be talking about 
personalizing information around durability, talking about, maybe this is something for you to state, Anastasia, but like there's an element of like within your ICP, knowing who your audience is and personalizing the content to them as much as you can too. Yeah, exactly. So when you're personalizing your email, if you have multiple audiences, like a lot of people care about architects as well as builders, as well as contractors, you should make sure that when you personalize these emails, it's about more than just putting their name in there. The content has to be personalized as well. Architects don't always care about the same thing that a contractor does. So if you're going to personalize, you have to personalize all the way for their job and their pain points as well as their first and last name. Most manufacturers target more than one audience in the channel. Do you think there's any issue with writing one blog article for a contractor, one for an architect, one for a builder, one for a homeowner? Having different articles for different audiences on the same blog is what I'm asking. Oh, that's interesting. What do you think, Anastasia? I think that's fine so long as you can differentiate them in some way, whether it's a drop down or something in the title so that you don't have a homeowner clicking on something written for a builder and they're like, I don't care that the length of the board is 2.9 feet long. Like you just need to make sure that your audience is going to the right blog and not to the wrong one. Having like filters or labels or categories. That's a good point. That's why I love like chatbots and even like hyper-targeting within, you know, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn ads. You can make your headlines super targeted. If you're an architect in New York City, check out X, Y, and Z. Like that's the world we live in from an advertising standpoint, or even like within chatbots, you can ask them who they are and then deliver them very specific content based upon who that individual is. So the fifth copywriting hack, and Beth is the queen of this one, is repeating statements to become more trustworthy. I'm going to remind my husband of that next time he tells me that I nag him. I'm like I'm just repeating my statements so that you will believe me. To be more trustworthy. I was going to say that we actually, if you look at research for this, there was actually a survey that was done that asked participants to rate how much they trusted a statement. And it says that some statements were repeated multiple times while others were stated only once. And the study found that the people that consistently rated repeated statements as more trustworthy in comparison to statements that were not. And I think that's really interesting. Like if you think about your advertising and you think about the ads that you're creating, the more somebody sees an ad or the more that they see a statement that you're making, whether it's on Instagram, Facebook, and email on your website, the more trustworthy that becomes because goodness, like you must really believe it. It must really be true because you're saying it over and over again. We kind of trust what's familiar to us. So you're, you're making your brand familiar. You're making your standpoints familiar. It's something that we've talked about when this is why like messaging is really important and having that consistent experience across every channel. You don't want to be sounding and acting like one person on Facebook. And then when I come to your website, you're a completely different company. You want that experience to be the same across multiple channels. That makes me trust you. Makes me feel like you've got it together. You've thought through who's reading this, when they're reading it, who I am and what I need. If you're repeating that over and over and over on every place that I'm interacting with your company, I'm more likely to trust you and convert or purchase or have a sales conversation. And it's important to communicate to different audiences the same too. You don't want to talk to an architect differently than you talk to a builder or a homeowner. Even though they have different pain points, you still need to be consistent for them. That's a really good point tying back to our previous point about personalization. So you don't want to have a split personality for your different channels. You just want to speak to their different pain points like Anastasia is saying. 
All right, Beth. So what's number six? This is a really good hack that I'm excited for you to go over. So number six is to use trigger words such as because or to or therefore to show justification. Essentially, you're helping your audience connect the first part of your phrase to the second part of your phrase. I know this sounds very basic. Zach has a great phrase that he uses around the office when we're reviewing copy and reviewing our ads before they go out. It's called don't make me think. So don't make me think about why I need to do the thing that you are asking me to do. Tell me exactly why I should do it. And by using words like because you're telling me I should do this because you're telling me essentially what the value is that I'm going to get it. So contact a rep to get an exclusive design consultation. Download this PDF to access the top 10 manufacturers who are targeting to architects and how to steal their strategies. This is a good point though, because, you know, it, it kind of goes without saying you like download the report, I'm like, okay. Or if it's like download the report and get access to this information, you're like, oh, well, like the value is greater. Like it might seem small, but it's a really small hack that's going to help you with conversions as well as convincing your audience of the value you can bring them. The don't make me think and what's in it for me. What value is your customer getting? by taking the action you're asking them to get. So Anastasia, why don't you close this out? And this is one of my favorite ones because this is something we do and it actually works really well. And so we're just giving away all of our secrets. But what is the seventh hack? So our seventh hack is in emails, you should always, always include a PS line. So Ray Juckins, a direct mail copywriter, noted that 79% of people who open his emails read the postscript first. That's interesting. I never thought about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I send out our emails, guys, and like, and I put the PS, if my PS has nothing to do with the email, like people still respond to it. I'm like, like when I went to AIA, I was like, hey, let me know if you're going to be at AIA. PS, like I'm going to be there. Like I got a bunch of people that responded. And I was like, this has nothing to do with the actual email, but like people just, they do go to the PS. Didn't you get like a PPS one time? Like somebody did like three in an email you got, Zach, and by the third one, you're like, I'm clicking on this link. I just can't not do it. I know I did. I, d- I know. I was like, <laughs> I was like, how dare you do that to me? They like, like stair-stepped me. I was like, oh, nice. Like, P.S. I was like, oh, wait, there's one more. No, there's a third. <laughs> clicking the link, so you deserve I, that click-through rate. Uh, you tried so hard for my click, and I will give it to you. But I mean, th- this one really only applies to email specifically. Like, you might not put like a P.S. in necessarily an article unless it's written by somebody in your organization. But it is an interesting hack that works well for you in, in email because it's, it's direct response, you know? It kind of ties into our second hack, which was begin to end with the most important points. People remember the last thing they read. They see the last thing first. They're going to care more about your PS than the stuff in the middle. It's a great point. So th- what you're saying is that this is the most important hack. This is the most important one. That's why we left it to the end. <laughs> if you remember nothing else, this is what you'll remember. So for all of our semicolon... And Oxford comma fans out there, we hope you enjoy this. For everyone else that's like me, there's some really good marketing tactics. But if you want more great content like this, go to venvio.com slash podcast. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams alongside my co-host, Beth Loftiklov. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Smarter Building Materials Marketing with Zach Williams and Beth Popnikola. To get the resources mentioned in this podcast, visit benvio.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.